On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Hey, thanks for rolling along, tuning in, and telling a friend that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. One of the most listened to platforms in all of Texas. Glad that you make time to tune in, whether you're listening real time or on our top 30, 40, 50 podcasts. I don't know what it is right now. U.S. News and Politics on Apple. I just say what they tell me to say here, right here, as we roll along in the studios where Buddy Holly became famous broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's Best Wash. For five years running, stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around, guaranteed. Check them out. Check out your best location at racerwash.com. Lots going on on this edition of the program. Your thoughts, welcome by text, 806-745-5800. And uh, one on-air promo that we've got going. We'll put it up online tonight enter in early now three tickets to your number 11 texas tech red raiders tomorrow night 6 30 kickoff uh, kickoff tip off wrong season from the united supermarkets arena texas tech tomorrow night at 6 30 three tickets all you got to do is say your name as you uh, text in and then just put the response tickets you'll be entered into a lotto Coming up, we've got Texas Tech President Lawrence Skubanek in studio. And a little bit later, we'll, and we'll talk with Dr. Skubanek about um, Dreamers at Texas Tech, some legislation up in the Texas legislature. And then later on, we'll have a Dreamer at Texas Tech herself, Saba Nafis, who will come in about uh, 35 minutes from now. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but let's kick it off here. We like to play some uh what do you got and uh some what do you got in the news and uh what do you got So uh, maybe the name of the game should become What Do You Not Got? Uh, more than 150 creditors. This is the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Journal Sarah Self Warbrick. 150 creditors have filed claims totaling $844 million in response to six bankruptcy cases filed on filed August 1 by Rager Dykes Auto Group related companies. The deadline to file a claim was December 5, but per bankruptcy procedure, others may come in. According to the claims register, 453 claims were filed by 153 unique creditors before the deadline. Some creditors chose to file claims in multiple proceedings while some just filed and won a total of $844,256,913.50. You're welcome, Abernathy Independent School District. Was welcome, was claimed in the six proceedings. Over six, $160 million of the claims are considered secured. Secured creditors are often banks or entities that hold some kind of lien on property in possession of the debtor, according to U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Secured creditors are paid first. Of unsecured claims, A.J. goes on, $911,000 are marked as priorities. There are also 680, uh, I'm sorry, 68000 in administrative fees, the majority of the claims were filed in the 48 hours of the deadline. What a fix, and I don't know what to make of it. I've become a, uh, 
I'm not a bankruptcy expert. I just play one on the radio, and I think that we've all become experts of late and what that means. Uh, that leading the news today and also get you in with the latest on Capitol Hill. I don't know if you saw the back and forth between Nancy Pelosi doesn't have much to say in this clip, but Chuck Schumer, the leader in the Senate and the President of the United States, on the wall. This was in the Oval Office earlier today. Get you in with that. Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. And I am proud, and I'll tell you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border But we security. believe you sh- uh, Schumer goes on to say, look, it was uh, this time it'll be you, and Trump says it will be me in the name of border defense. That issue crossing over, lots of issues locally. See, the farm bill is uh, up for a vote supposing the government doesn't shut down before then but somebody who has a thing or two to say about what's going on in national but more locally state government president of texas tech lawrence skubanek we have him he stepped into studio and we'll uh, get him with president lawrence skubanek coming up right after this break stick right where you are going to talk vet school going to talk dreamers right here lawrence skubanek right here on your other side of Texas. He is president of Texas Tech University's Lawrence Skubanek, and he's in studio with us now. <laughs> president Skubanek, your first time on the program. Thanks for coming out. Jay, thanks for having me. Uh, so tell me this, El Presidente. You just went through a football coaching search. Is that something you'd like to do every year? About uh, how many times, how many hours a day does it require? Well, a lot more for Kirby than anybody else. Um, so we be, uh, you know, he had been looking at possibilities. Uh, should this hat, you know, should we have make a change? So it wasn't like he woke up Sunday morning and started the process. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, all of us really liked Coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's obvious as to why we would. But once that decision was made. Um, Kirby had a list of candidates. He had already talked to a lot of people, getting background information. Uh, he had even enlisted a, a firm to kind of look at the risk assessment for different possibilities. And we headed out on Monday to see uh, Coach Wells, Salt Lake City. And then the next day, we talked to a few other people. And, um, you know, it's pretty amazing how quickly he came to a conclusion that this was the person he wanted and I'm, I'm very excited about what he did um, people with should Matt be, Wills yes but how excited were you about David Yost's hair let's talk about uh, that person. I tell you what have you t- have you yeah you were at the press conference I, I've been trying to get Yost on but apparently recruiting's pretty and, important and they're doing some good things they're getting some good uh, every time every time Wills tweets out Reckham that means he got a new recruit is that what it means I think uh, has that been run through you uh, uh, Kirby's been texting me about uh, their progress and it's very encouraging and I'm not surprised by that as far as Yost goes um, yeah, I think he's your kind of guy um, you know he wears that hair that way I think to make an impression on people but he's uh, he's very successful mm-hmm. at Missouri. Um, he's totally likable, as is the defensive coordinator. I think they're going to be a great fit. And, you know, Lubbock likes people that are on the edge. He'll fit in here perfectly. Yeah, raving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's touch on uh, vet school before we get in. Always, and this is what listeners, the power of the microphone is to talk about things that you're curious about, that I'm curious about more specifically. And, and not the second person, but the first person. And, you know, the dreamer stuff is something I'm really interested in because there's always the title of the show is other side of Texas, but there's always a other side of the issue. But before we get to that, that's called a tease, President. Let's get in with vet school. Uh, how many is that requiring as much time as a coaching search right now? Oh, much, much more. Um, 
last week, um, Dr. Mitchell and I were spent about two or three days traveling around the state um, to talk to members of the coordinating board. Um, we went up to Amarillo on Thursday to accept a gift from the Harrington Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a million dollars <throat> for scholarship support for those students. Um, and then I wasn't here Friday because I was at Austin College working on a deal there, but you know the speaker to be Bonham was here. And uh, so that vet school issue is taking a lot, a lot of time, and it's enormously important to us. And uh, we feel good about the support we have in Austin uh, among the legislators. Um, you can't say, I say thank you to Charles Perry, Dustin Burroughs, Frulo, uh, Four Price, John Smithy. They've been tremendously supportive. Uh, where we're going to have to be very careful in what we do is how we take this to the coordinating board. I mean, you probably heard that that is the strategy. That How many members on the coordinating there board? There are nine. Nine, okay. Uh, the way that goes is they they uh, have staff, a subcommittee of the staff, that will take the proposal and then solicit an outside group to look at that proposal and make a recommendation to the board. And, um, you know, there are rumors out there that that's where we might have an issue. But, um, Are they rumor? I would certainly say that's where, that's where it's all going to come down to the cutting. I think you're and right. I edited that for radio, but that's where the cutting comes. Well, um, um, Sharp has said that if it gets through the coordinating board, he's Chancellor going to, John Sharp. Yes, yes. Excuse yeah. me, I meant to be more respectful. Then, uh, that he's. I wasn't calling you disrespectful. <laughs> I'm just clarifying. But go ahead. <laughs> that uh, he would support it, right? Have you heard that? I, I think that there have been more than a. More than a few third-party dialogues between me and the chancellor. And so what does that cause you to believe that probably that will be his strategy? And But, but if you talk, uh, this coordinating board uh, has, uh, they're going to make the decision based on the facts. They did that in the case of the medical school with Sam Houston State. Um, the commissioner wasn't supportive, and they went ahead and approved it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's important that we have legislators uh, communicating with the board about um, their support. And I think when the state lines up the financial support for the vet school, that's the people talking. And how can they go against In the, the budget. Yes. Which will come down about <clears throat> April Fool's. No pun intended, but that's it's yeah. usually Easter, right. April, April 1, that that begins to come in. Yeah. So our attitude is if, if, if we have strong support uh, in the House and the Senate, um, we think that that really reflects the will of the people, and it goes back to the need of the vet school. You know all of this. Yeah. It is also the access and opportunity for those who want to get a, a be vet practice veterinary medicine, but now have to go out of state or out of this country. Let me ask you while we're on this topic. I think tangential. Chris Cook's here in the studio. This is nothing we talked about before air. Tangential to this. You've got three regions up for reappointment. One of those would be Rick Francis. Is uh-huh. it, you're under? Have you been given any indication that someone else would be reappointed instead of Rick Francis? Uh, so, <clears throat> Jay, I'm, I'm not trying to be evasive here, but That's fine. The, the, the discussion about who's appointed um, as a regent uh, usually doesn't involve the presidents in a substantial way. Uh, that's a discussion that the governor may have with the system leadership. That'd be mm-hmm. Mitchell. And uh, so I don't have any idea as to who might stay on and who might go. Um, I think if you look at the board, uh, some things do stand out. There's a lack of diversity on that board, and I imagine the governor is sensitive to that. There's not a We have a, a student region, a young lady, but... Um, so I would be surprised if there wasn't some change. Um, so you have, you know, Regent Lancaster, who I have the greatest respect for, and Toronto Sparza, and Rick Francis, that will be up for renewal. And one of those names was Hispanic that you just mentioned. Yes. So far as diversity. Yes, that's right. Yes, you yeah. are. Okay, uh, so you're in the sharp wars right there behind the scenes. I called it that. You didn't. But uh, you're definitely taking on one of the state's most infamous or famous uh, mm-hmm. uh, politicians in John Sharp. And 
I'm sure that that is much more than a uh, a football coaching right uh, time card that you got you know, in there. I, I think what we have to do is lay out the facts as we have. Are you surprised that John Shar- like this is me, President? I look at I've got absolute respect. Even though we do a little parody of John Sharp here on the program, I've got absolute respect for him and his career as a lawmaker and a story a story to politician I think is any in this state why make this vet school the hill to die on because it seems like by sharp standards a pretty low lying hill to die on I agree with what you're saying Um, the vet school at A&M is one of the best in the world and um, you know they're admitting 142 students now and they're going to go up to maybe 160 and there's probably four qualified applicants for every person that's seated this is going to have no bearing on them uh, it's and this and I think many people have made this point starting with Ch- with Robert Duncan this is not a Texas Tech versus an A&M thing but I think it's become that it'd be naive to ignore that fact why he would do that um you know, that's that's a very proud institution, um, and maybe he doesn't want that to be part of his legacy. I think that I'll just leave it there with you and leave more comments whenever you leave the show. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> uh, Dateline Austin, let's talk about this. A Republican legislator has revived the effort to end in-state tuition for prospective college students her, who are in the country illegally. This is Dallas Morning News. Quote, I am proud to fight for the taxpayer, magnet policies that benefit illegal immigrants, hurt citizens, and those who immigrated here legally, said State Representative Kyle Biederman of Fredericksburg. Um, In a news release, we must remove these magnets and protect our border. You know, whenever I was at Tech, if you went back to the old annals of... um, what was in the University Daily, you would see hardline conservative Jay Leeson writing respective pieces. I have learned a few things and grown up in the years in between. And now, rather than look at an issue on its face and just call it black or white, I've learned as I've gotten older that you have to see the gray. Uh, Fifteen years ago, had I read what Biederman said, I just, why are we paying in-state tuition for, at best, international students. Uh, Lawrence Skubanek, why are we doing that? Why should taxpayers provide a commitment to these students? So, you mentioned international there, and we'll come back to the Dreamers in a second, but um, we were in D.C. a couple weeks ago to get the Senator Paul Simon Comprehensive Internationalization Award. Um, we were recognized along with University of Florida and Stony Brook, two really good schools. Um, why would we be recruiting international students? Well, uh, they're pretty essential to some of our programs, like in the engineering areas. We can't get enough domestic students who want to, say, do graduate study in mechanical engineering or double E. Um, so it's to our benefit to bring that expertise here. But when NAFSA, which is the international organization that gave this award, um, they provided information to us about the economic benefit of international students. They said at Texas Tech, uh, they contrib- the financial impact's about $70 million in this community. We have 3,000 here enrolled. $70 million Se- in which community? Lubbock. Okay. And that... Wait, did I... Was it seven or 70? 70. 70. Okay. And... Uh, you gave me that number, Chris. It better be right. <laughs> it is. I looked it up. And um, that re- represents about 900 jobs. Now, we don't go out and recruit those students with that in mind. We're doing it because um, they bring a lot to the university. They contribute to our status as a Carnegie Highest Research Activity School. And I do believe this. Um, when, when I started Tech, 1982, the enrollment was about 23,000 students. Around 21,900 were white. Today we have 38,000 some students and we have like 21,300 white students. Uh, This is a very diverse state and uh, this is not about quotas 
and just checking the box. Uh, it's about really trying to create a, a very inclusive culture there. And and I think the community and our students are enriched by exposure to these different cultures. Um, so it's also uh, so uh, the international students. Why do we do it? Um, it's kind of what a national research university does. I think our students need to be globally competent. They're going to work in companies that are multinational. They're going to have colleagues that come from around the world. They need to be globally competent. Do you feel like they're cutting the accessibility of other in-state <clears throat> candidates? Oh, that, that, that's it. I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen in the United States. There's going to be a recruiting war for students. If you look at the projected high school population in this country, it's going to peak around 2025. It's going to start to drop. It's already happened in the Northeast. Um, there are about 5% fewer high school graduates up there than there were 2015. In the Midwest, about a 1% decrease. We're still growing. Texas is one of the richest states in terms of having high school graduates. But what's starting to happen already? You look at Alabama. 60% of their students are from out of state. That's Oklahoma as well. Uh, you, go down wow. to, you go down to Houston, and you're going to find a recruiting office from LSU and Ole Miss and Auburn and Tulane. Uh, those schools are coming here to recruit. Um, and this is going to be a challenge for higher ed when there's not this uh, you know, ready available population to recruit. And so we're fortunate to be in this state now, but other people see it. And we have a pretty good K-12 system, and they want these students. So I do not see bringing international students in any way diminishing opportunities for Texans. Okay, so let's, uh, President Lawrence Skuvenek, Texas Tech University, with us here on the program. Uh, let's switch over then. Let's pivot into Dreamers. Yeah. And you said you wanted to talk about international first. Why don't you begin by delineating the difference between international and dreamers and then talk about, <clears throat> from your view, why dreamers are an asset to Lubbock and the university as a whole. Okay. Um, so let's go back to 2001 mm -hmm. when they passed uh, House Bill 1403, the, the Texas Dream Act. And what were you teaching at that time? 2001. Uh, probably... Differential equations and calculus. Were you still teaching 8 o'clock classes in 2001? Uh, 2001, <laughs> I would have been... Gee, I can't think back that far. <laughs> I was a, probably the chair. Yeah. I taught a graduate course. It would have been a, uh, it had been applied math. Classical applied math. Okay. That, maybe we could I talk... Don't know, I don't know what that means, but go <laughs> ahead. Um, so where, where, where was I? Okay, let's go back to House Bill 1403. Mm -hmm. You know, Robert Duncan was an important part of that bill and he I've talked to him about he how he interviewed students who would be classified as Texas dreamers and um, uh, these are kids who were here they weren't born here because they're not citizens but they were here came came at a very young age they kind of in, indoctrinated into the community but that bill says uh, that if you go to a Texas high school for three years, or you get a GED from a Texas high school, then you're eligible to get in-state tuition rates. It has no effect on the admission process. It just says you're going to get in-state rates. Um, and then this uh, new discussion is to take away the benefit of in-state rates. Yeah. So, so those would have been... But I just want to back... I graduated from Abernathy High School in 1997. This was before the big border war before yeah. drugs became what they are yeah. today. But these were my classmates in 97 who would have been applying at that time. So, Jay, last winter, I went to Abernathy the same day that I started out at New Deal. And I drove up to Abernathy. And one day I go to Slayton, go to Post, and come up to Tahoka. And I bet you, when I talk to those kids, a lot of those would be undocumented. Yeah. I and mean, I graduated 57, and I think over half my class 
And the only thing I ever got from an illegal immigrant, by the way, is a broken broken cartilage in my ear. Because I called him Hispanic one day in a snowball fight. He dipped <laughs> the snowball in the curb puddle and hit me in the ear. He wound up to be, I think he was an all-state pitcher later, Oscar Delgado. And he said, I'm not hey. Hispanic, I'm Mexican. Um, yeah, but, so, but let's get back Sorry to the Sorry to throw you off there. <laughs> no, but that, that point is... Um, I really have no interest in the politics of this. All I know is when we have a student on our campus, I don't know if they're, I don't know their background, but I ha- we have an obligation when we enroll them to help them graduate. And um, based on state law and the statutes that you follow to admit them. Y- yes. Okay. Now, now, so I met before I came out here today. I met with the people who work with. Uh, those who fall under House Bill 1403. I asked them two questions. Do we obey the law? Yes. Are we a sanctuary campus? No. And that's important because if you were to be a sanctuary campus, you're going to uh, jeopardize your federal support. And we are not about that. We will always obey the law. And and, and so what you do is um, you have the DACA students which the is dreamers. a well? No, there's actually there's, oh, there's, there's some a co- distinction. There's a distinction. So, Tell me more about the gray. I don't understand. Okay, so um, in 2001, House Bill 1403 was passed, the Texas Dream Act, and then the classification of DACA came up later, where you could apply for this uh, kind of pseudo visa status. Now, the current administration says you cannot. If you don't have DACA status now, you can't renew it. But if you do have it, you can get it renewed. That's a subset of the students who are classified under the Texas DREAM Act. We only have about 50 to 60 DACA beneficiaries on campus. But we probably have 150 undocumented students who get in-state support under House Bill 1403. And that's what we're talking about here. Statewide... Only about 2% of all the 1.67 million higher ed students are in this uh, dream category. So, Biederman's bill is essentially a repeal of 1403 from 2001. Is that essentially what it is? Yeah, he, they would not get in-state tuition. Uh, and um, and if you think about it, Jay, um, the, you're talking about probably... A lot of students who are first generation and probably are financially challenged, and um, uh, I, I really think that the challenge for the state of Texas is to educate our people. And if you listen to the state demographer, he will give you projections that if we don't maintain the current level of participation in higher ed, what it means for our tax base. And uh, so I'm all about giving opportunity. Uh, and I, I'm not talking about the border issues. I'm just talking about if there's a student who comes to Texas Tech and wants to get a degree, and they're qualified. I think we have every. I think I want to see them enrolled. Qualified based upon the statutes that are, that are already up there. Yes, okay. and also academically. Yeah. What would classify? Um, what would classify this question in? What would classify as a dreamer campus? Or not a dreamer campus. A okay, sanctuary. sanctuary. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm on thin ice here as to the technical definition, but there's a couple of things that come to mind. The Office of International Customs Enforcement. If uh, some There are schools in California that says, we're not going to let you come on campus. Mm. That's one thing. We would never do that. Secondly, if they were to solicit information about students and it was... Uh, they would deny that. Uh, what we would do in those cases is follow the law. We'd probably direct those students to counsel, but we would never thumb our nose at the law. That's just not part of what Texas Tech does. It's not part of our culture. President Lawrence Skuvenek, Texas Tech University. Any closing thoughts here? Anything? No, that went fast. Yeah. <laughs> it tends to go fast. I appreciate it when people say that. It wasn't nearly the the hanging that you might have expected there. Well, I was kind of nervous until I saw this sign here that says, don't be nervous. Yeah, don't be nervous. And then it says, it's not like you're going to be hung. And then you told me that was written 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> he is uh, President Lawrence Skubernick. Thank you for making time, President. And uh, going to get out on a little quickie break here, come back in, be more on this dreamer again. The privilege of being behind this radio microphone is to talk about things that um, that you're curious about. Get a dreamer in here and talk about her uh experience with this issue right here right after the break right back on other side of Texas again if you're just tuning in just had president of Texas Tech, Lawrence Skubernick, on the program. Uh, you can have that up on your podcast updates on the vet school, as well as the Dreamer bill that is up in the Texas legislature. At least a bill is filed, Kyle Biederman. And for folks that don't know, Biederman is uh, from down south, I believe, from around, yeah, it's Fredericksburg. He is what's known as a uh, Freedom Caucus member in the House and maybe the safest district. Lots of Freedom Caucus guys went up on that that, uh, Tuesday, November, whatever it was, November 6th, barely won. Biederman, I think, won by 40 points. So would be the one, if you're interested in really causing a ruckus he would be the one who would not face consequence in 2020 of course state representatives are up every two years (coughs) excuse me in uh the texas legislature biederman would be the one to put up a bill like this and to have lawrence skubanek address it i think was really helpful i've got my own inclinations i was glad that uh he answered questions and more for me right there i think a lot of your questions too sorry i couldn't get to all your texts on the text line um seven between folks wanting those basketball tickets and people wanting to ask a question and also you always want to have good manners and that's one thing that needs to be discussed whenever you're working the text line and you're working uh and once you got the next question up you've got an ipad you got all these screens in front of you and uh, you also want to maintain eye contact with your guests and not be rude. And I was, uh, I think, successfully able to do that. Um, get back into the story as our next guest comes in. Asaba Nafis is a dreamer at Texas Tech. Uh, get her side of the issue. Um, Republicans succeeded in their controversial effort to ban quote-unquote sanctuary cities in Texas in 2017. This is Dallas Morning News where I pick back up and then suffered significant losses in the House in November elections. Some experts expected leaders to avoid divisive issues. And that's why I say that Biederman is safe and he's the one to bring up this issue. Governor Greg Abbott, who has made wooing Hispanics one of the main efforts of his tenure, as the state's top official said the law is flawed and needs to be revisited, but during a gubernatorial debate in September, Abbott dodged a question on whether it should be repealed. Retiring Speaker Joe Strauss, who announced last year he would not seek re-election to the House after more than 10 years in the cha- as the chamber's helm, has defended the law. The House will have a new leader next year, expected to be Republican Dennis Bonin of Angleton, a Strauss ally. Earlier this month, Bonin. Bonin, sorry, distracted by the text line again. Bonin announced that he had enough support from his fellow representatives to win the Speaker's gavel on January 8th, the first day of the session. So, this shapes up it is when i say it is and what it is is you've got a guy who is able to stick his neck out there and you may appreciate his stance you may not uh, but he is saying he wants to end in state and i think uh Skubinek just spoke to president Skubinek just spoke to how uh, it's not really 
disallowing anybody. They aren't getting in front of the line if, you know, and we can fact check these things and take them through the process. But I'll uh, take them for his word that these things cannot be, that they aren't jumping in front of anybody, that taxpayers are making a wise investment so far as Lubbock is concerned, at the very least, a $70 million economic impact uh, by international students and not sure, should have followed up and asked them what the dreamers themselves would bring. Coming up, we've got Saba Nafis. And she's stepping into studio now. She is a dreamer at Texas Tech. Hear her story and uh, a little bit more. Quick break. Be right back with you. Howdy, Jay. West Texas Leeson here. I want to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots, and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035. 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. Smile, it's gonna be okay. Taste and white dentistry, the West Texas way. Smile and time is how it's done. We treat you like you're the only one. Your peace of mind is our state of mind. We wanna get to know you. Smile at a time. Smile, it's gonna be okay. Chasing white dentistry, the West Texas way. In studio now, Saba Nafis. If you've not heard that name before, now you will. We appreciate her making time to come on the program. Saba. So we just had Lawrence Skubinek on talking about dreamers. We went back to 2001 and Rick Perry then. Uh, making room for dreamers in this country if you went to high school three years i believe was the rule then uh then you would be admitted into public universities in texas thanks for coming out hold on let me turn up your microphone that would be the first thing i need to do okay (laughs) okay there you are uh thanks for coming out yeah thanks for having me um so You've studied this issue. You've been featured in a documentary um, on the Dreamer front. Tell us, you see this bill come up. I'm sure that you're not surprised to see the bill come up to end. There's the sigh already. Um, A bill come up to end in in-state tuition for Dreamers. First of all, tell me this. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between in-state tuition and international tuition? Do you have, like, a dollar amount? Uh, so out-of-state tuition or, or tuition that's paid by international students is, is usually, like, at least two or three times higher than in-state tuition. So, um, you is know... Is there a difference between out-of-state and out-of-country? Well, so international... Uh, as far as I know, international students pay out-of-state tuition, mm-hmm. but... I also know that if they get, you know, scholarships or uh, in the amount of like $1,000 or so, they then are qualified to pay in-state tuition. Um, so that's kind of rare. A lot of international students, I think, end up paying a lot of money yeah. um, because they have to pay out-of-state. So let's get to it with your story. Dreamers come in and they have a sponsor. and But what happens if you don't have a sponsor anymore? Tell us a little bit about your story there. Right. So I came to America when I was 11. I had visited before when I was younger. My grandfather was my petitioner. He had been uh, in in Fort Worth with my aunt, uncle, cousins. Some of my cousins were born and raised here, um, or not here, in in Fort Worth. And uh, so my grandfather petitioned for my mom and the rest of her family, which includes us. And unfortunately, by the time we moved over, uh, he passed away. He was very, very sick, and we were actually moving over right around the same time that he was sick and so uh, and this was in what year this is 04 okay 
Yeah, so uh, I was uh, 11, almost 12 <laughs> at that time. And uh, anyway, so unfortunately, it, you know, it was really uh, kind of a traumatic thing for for our family in general because we wanted to reunite with my grandparents. And he passed away, and so we uh, talked to attorneys all over the state. And what we found out was that if your petitioner is dead, then uh, your petition dies too. Um, and uh, recently I learned that there are loopholes uh, in that, but uh, we, we didn't know anything about that. And so for a couple of years after, we uh, kept renewing our um, visas because we came in legally with our visitor visas. And uh, we couldn't renew any longer, and then my parents had to make the difficult decision to uh, to stay here um, instead of going back to Pakistan, which was, you know, torn apart. And to is, Pakistan. Yes, that's where I, I was born. i got to say that in a West Texas way. To so Pakistan. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I could ever say it in a West Texas that's way. That's fine. I, just, I, did, I didn't want people <laughs> to say hear you say backstand. Pakistan or, or Pakistan, That's, you know. That, no, Stan. You got to say the Stan. Oh God. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I I I love being from here too. You know, I kind of have a weird mixture of accents. That's fine, but. Some words you just got to say them the way you got to say them, you know. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so we then, you know, decided to stay here because it was much safer here. Um, unfortunately, our, our place in Lahore, there uh, is a market that I used to go to, like, every day. Um, it got bombed, you know. It, places around where I live, where I lived, where I grew up, you know, it's not really safe anymore. So my parents, I mean, if you're a parent, <laughs> you could understand, right, uh, what kinds of decisions you have to make to keep your children safe, right? You sacrifice a lot for the sake of your children. Yeah. Saba Nafis here, Texas Tech doctoral student. Yeah. Um, how far away are you from graduating? <laughs> oh, God. Is Skovanek still here? No, he, he left. Okay. Um, no, I, I, I think uh, I, just another year or two, yeah. uh, hopefully not longer than that. So Skovanek talked a little bit about how in, he delineated between for the sake of the conversation, mm -hmm. the bill and how it points out dreamers and international students. But I think what I heard him say is combine a $70 million economic impact in Lubbock from dreamers to mm -hmm. the local economy, to local businesses, uh, what the input output is on, on those. Some things you cannot quantify, and that yeah. is social activity, social engagement, social involvement. Um, tell folks, you know, I'm not asking you, to, it's not like you have a jury of your peers listening right now, but mm -hmm. uh, why would, why would me, as a tax, as a Texas taxpayer, feel like it's in my best interest to essentially give you in-state tuition, Saba? <laughs> Okay. What contributions do you make that I may not be understanding of around? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think that a lot of uh, informed citizens and informed Texans really need to be asking that question and keeping their minds open to, to learning more about this. So, first of all, my parents have always paid taxes, but even throughout their time being undocumented. So I think people in Austin need to try to understand, and around the state, that undocumented people pay taxes. I also pay taxes. So when this when this talk of, like, well, taxpayer Texans and shouldn't, you know, they should have more an advantage because they pay taxes. Well, guess what? I pay taxes too, so do your homework. Learn more about what, you know, what everybody's doing around the state, right? So, so that's one thing. That's 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 something that we got to tease apart. Secondly, when it comes to in-state tuition and 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 Texas grants and things like that, less than 2, slightly less than 2% of students across the state are actually those who are considered non um, U.S. citizens and do take advantage of this, you know, Texas Dream Act, right? And even less 0.3% or so of that, they are the ones who may get, you know, qualify for state loans and things like that because, as you know, we don't qualify for federal aid. So um, besides just knowing the stats and just knowing the, the real, like, you know, short logical things out there that one could easily look up, um, the other thing is knowing stories. So here's one right now. 
I would not have been able to go to college, and I started college before DACA came about, and I would not have come to Texas Tech. It was like this union of, like, perfection. Like, I love being here. I love being a Red Raider. I've always, you know, had, you know, bearing our flags far and wide, right, all over the globe, and I, I have my pin right here, you know. So I, I love being a Red Raider, and it would not have happened if it wasn't for the fact that I could actually afford to come to college as an undocumented student. Now I'm a PhD candidate studying mathematical biology. I wouldn't even be at this stage of my career, my educational aspirations, if it weren't for the fact that I could at least pay the in-state tuition, right? And so I think that um, when it comes to, you know, being able to attain these resources, everybody competes equally. We all go to the same high schools, right? I went to school with, you know, hard work Texans, right? Like, you know, kids of, of, of taxpayers, etc. Right? And we all competed for those resources. We all applied to different schools that we wanted to apply for. We all applied for different scholarships and programs. And we got to where we're at because of our hard work. And I think, you know, as Texans, we, um, you know, merit, you know, hard work and courage and resilience. And that's what makes us Texans, right? Well, I'm proud to be a Texan. And so I think um, those are the things one needs to think about. Yeah, so you do consider yourself a Texan. Absolutely, yes. And do consider yourself to be a Red Raider. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So what is the what's the process look like for you to become an American citizen then? Oh, gosh, it's it's a long, long process. And a lot of people say, you know, well, just get in line. Like, why don't you do it the right way? Well, you know, many of us really tried to do it the right way. Unfortunately, everybody knows our immigration system, the, you know, for the country, it's broken. And everybody has known that. Um, there were many chances that Congress had in the past uh, few decades to, to fix that. And unfortunately, it's still in limbo and we haven't fixed that problem. So um, you really can't become uh, you you cannot become a U.S. citizen unless you have um, you know you're married to somebody who is a U.S. citizen unless you are the child of somebody who is a U.S. citizen or you were born here for example um, or you know you could be sponsored so for example um, through your work right uh, your work can you know uh, ask for you to um, you know get the visas and then you you know transfer the status from the visa to citizenship and things like that so you really Really, there isn't really a line that you know you could just get to, like in DPS or something. So, what do you, know? you think is the answer? If in, if you sat down and there was the Commission on Fixing Immigration in the U.S. Congress, and they said, <laughs> "What do you think, Sovereign of Peace? What would your answer be?" To I fixing I would say that I I think that there are a lot of things we got to fix, like. For example, comprehensive immigration reform. And these are things that, you know, I've talked to people on the Hill about is, you know, how can we how can we fix the situation that we have for the 11 or 12 million undocumented people across the U.S. who are paying taxes and who are going by the rules because many like almost every one of them, they're doing the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing. They just haven't been given the the resources to be able to, you know, adjust status, for example. Um, so I would say pass something like that, right? Because, um, you know, I, I know we weren't able to do it. So I would say that do something like that. And I'm, I agree with securing our borders and ensuring that, you know, um, we don't have a situation, uh, you know, south of us. Uh, sadly, we do have a situation south of us. Um, so I would say find a good balance between those two things and really come across the aisles right or left and and really figure out these solutions instead of letting politics come in the way but you came over legally yeah and forgive me but now you fall into questionable status uh right i became undocumented after my visa ran out because i couldn't get my my grandfather's petition to transfer over, let's say, to my grandmother or, you know, to, to I, like, there isn't really a rule, as far as I know, and I think there might be loopholes around this, yeah. that says, like, all right, you're in the States already, your petition was approved, but then your petitioner died, so here's something else you got to do and we'll let you stay, or something like that, right? That, that Now, that would make sense, right? Um, You know, I, I feel like 
fixing little things like that, right? Um, so a lot of people in general, uh, they come here legally with visas or through other means, and they then run out of status, and that's how they become undocumented. See, I didn't, I didn't swim across the ocean or something, right? Like, I, I came in through, through the airlines, you know, I flew to Dallas-Fort Worth International. So, I mean, like, you know, that we have to understand that there are bigger issues. This world is huge. There are people coming from all over the world, not just south of us. Biederman, we just have a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Biederman, Kyle Biederman, the state representative who's put this bill up to yeah. end in-state tuition, says we have to stop these magnets. Yeah. Was... Texas Tech the magnet for you I, or I, was it or was it not having your marketplace blown up? What was the magnet? Was the magnet Fort Worth and getting away from the market that might get blown up or was it Texas Tech? Yeah, so I, I would say it was a mixture of both. I would say that I came I was you know, I came to Texas because, you know, that's where my family, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles chose this great state, right, to live in. Secondly, I then chose Texas Tech because I, I felt like I, I didn't have the liberties of like going around visiting colleges and things like that, right? I had to talk to one school and understand that that's where I was going to end up going. Um, and I had a great relationship with Honors College, and it all worked out beautifully. I'd never visited past Abilene, west of Abilene Wait, so before. you came in on scholarship? I So I actually, the first full year, I was able to get um, in-state tuition and uh, some state grants that were able to help me with uh, my first year's cost. I had to live off campus and still pay for all the other costs. But, right, so, um, and I, I didn't find that out until, like, the very last second, like, days before school started. And then that's when I moved, and I had never visited Lubbock before uh, then. There's a documentary about you. Tell folks about how they can find it and... Uh what it's about i think it's called dream with me just uh google it dream with me documentary and it'll lead you to the website on which you can find out everything there is to find out about the documentary and how to watch it and the director john seaborn his information's there um john seaborn's at texas tech yes he's at texas tech okay and for any other information that folks may want to follow up on where would they find it more information about you, more information about the issue? Uh, I, I, they can find out, again, the documentary by Googling it, and then secondly, they can just look up um, uh, tuition equity. The, that's the word, that's the phrase, I guess, uh, across the state. And then that's how they can find out more about which states allow for this to happen and which don't, and what are the economic benefits of having this. Yeah. Sabin Nafis, I appreciate you making time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get out now. Got to get home. Got to get home. Great family, above average dinner. Specifically because I'm cooking dinner tonight. It's gonna. It won't even be above average. We're just gonna have some uh, sandwiches there at the Lisa and Ponderosa. Uh, I want to thank uh, President Lawrence Skubinek for coming out, sobbing the feast, for joining us. A dreamer edition of the program tomorrow. We're gonna do. We're going to move Technology Tuesday to Technology Wednesday and also have our friend Ross Ramsey of the Texas Tribune, executive editor, co-founder, talk some Texas politics. Until then, rave on, buddies. Rave on. We'll see you next edition right here on Other Side of Texas. Two step over.